From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, we're excited to continue our series of enthusiast cars by manufacturer. As you've yeah. noticed, we're going alphabetically, and it just seems like looking through the list that you and I have today, mm-hmm. this seems yep. like just a boatload of cars. Kind of different yes. than other podcasts that we've done here. I'm just looking through everything I've written down here, just thinking, mm-hmm. wow, there's a lot in we- this list. We're, I mean, it's broken down. This is our second to last week of this. You guys have loved this series, and we're really, really glad. Yeah. This is our second to last week. We've got this week and next week. We will continue with our enthusiast cars of every lineup uh, discussion. But it just so happens we're doing about six an episode. It just so happens that these six tonight, wow, I feel like everybody's got something to talk about. We've got Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Mitsubishi, Nissan, and Porsche coming up. So instead of doing anything else, we're just kind of going to dive right in because yeah, there's a lot so of ground to cover. Since we've got so much, I'm sure your heads are already spinning with uh, suggestions, and we've got some interesting yep. things in here. Hopefully stuff you've forgotten about because uh, we do a little bit of research, jumping around here and trying to find, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm reminded about various cars. You know, I thought, d- does that fit in our qualifications and the rules that we've mm-hmm. given ourselves are mm-hmm. about 10 years so that means 2015 all the way back to 2005 and yep. right around 50 grand and under and so we're mm-hmm. you know we're pretending as if we're shopping could we find yeah. these cars for 50 grand or under and what are the enthusiast cars I think the well, those, enthusiast cars are a little bit of a gray area because we've debated some sedans in there that are pretty powerful I yeah. think we'll have some yeah. tonight um, but I, I think it's gonna be interesting really well, that's been the thing about a lot of this for me is it's been, it's been thinking about okay, wait, 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 does that fall under those two parameters? I have, I have a lot of times when, especially when you get back late two thousands, I'm in this gray area of when did that car change over the the years, and I, that all becomes kind of a wash. Yeah, I have right. To look that up, and then of course, what's what's dropped off a depreciation cliff and is now you really can get one of those. You know, that uh-huh. that's the other thing that's always a surprise in this. That's where you have to kind of dig around on it. But let's let's just kick off with uh, Mazda, which I just want to say out of the gate about Mazda. Honestly, I feel like Mazda is right now where Honda was 20 years ago. I feel like they are kind of the enthusiast brand. I feel like they're the enthusiast brand that almost everything they make has a fun-to-drive factor. I mean, I I even have on my list, not because it's enthusiast car, but I think it proves this point, I have the CX-5 written down. Just yeah, because that. in that world, in that world of the five seat SUV that that's that's the that whole market segment is exploding. Anybody's buying in that market segment. Everybody's got a competitor. And the thing is, of that price point, of that, you know, those those entry level guys at five seats, the CX five is probably the most fun out there. Now that's not an enthusiast car, but it just proves the point that I feel like everything in Mazda's lineup right now, like the standard Mazda six sedan, huh, is a yeah. great sedan. Everything they're making has an enthusiast feel almost. I mean, I feel like that. And so Mazda's got all kinds of stuff to talk about. That's interesting you've compared it to Honda because I felt like, you know, the new NSX aside, I felt like we were digging a little bit to try and really justify, you know, like I said, we did name some genuinely, you know, fun to drive Mm -hmm. cars in there. But there's not really a an affordable halo car like, you know, Toyota and Subaru have the BRZ and the FRS. Yeah. And, you know, various manufacturers have the car they're known for. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's very interesting because just about well, they, everything in the lineup and stuff that's out of production, you can now afford. You can still buy within our qualification 
yeah, you know, well, the I mean, last 10 years or so. Staying on the Honda thing for a second, if you think about it, if you go back a little ways, they had the Prelude, which was front-wheel drive and still mm-hmm. great. You yeah, know, they had the the, right. uh, the the Integras of the world on the Acura side were good. They had the S2000. Of course, now the only thing hanging on is that SI, which I feel like for the money you can get, get a better enthusiast car. I, I, I love what Honda used to be more than what they are now as an enthusiast brand. They make great cars, but as an enthusiast brand, and I feel like Mazda has filled that gap. Yeah. So, of course, we have to talk about the MX-5, the Miata. It's the obvious one in Mazda that has to be discussed. You know what was interesting is that comparison that we did with the FRS, the RX-8, and the mm-hmm. S-2000. We had a lot of folks mm-hmm. writing in about, you know, why didn't you put the Miata, the MX-5, in with that lineup? And there were various yeah. reasons. I, I still I like the comparison that we did just in terms of price point. You know, power, yeah. all that kind of stuff. We we discussed it in that video, so if you have not seen that video, go find it. It's one of our more popular ones, which I'm I'm really glad for. But yeah. uh that uh that Miata, that MX five, that N B generation ended right about two thousand five, so I'm I'm guessing the N C, the third generation, is really about the only choice of that car that you can buy within our own well, you know, self imposed you know, time limit, Obviously time period the, here. The, N, the ND will be out in mere moments. I mean, it's going to be yeah. out this calendar oh, yeah. year, certainly out by summer. So that will be a consideration. Obviously, we haven't driven that yet. Nobody has. We're looking right. forward to that. But yeah, the ver- the tail end of the NB generation, the second generation Miata, the tail end ends in 05. The NC starts mm-hmm. in 06. So technically, that NB counts. I want to say a couple things about it. The main one that ob- is obvious here that we have to talk about is the Mazda Speed NB. That was the, the rare turbo yeah. version, the 0405. And that was one of, if you want to go back and see how the show has changed, <clears throat> that is one of the <laughs> very first reviews we ever did for the show. It was before don't we go were back. even giving ratings. Just don't go back. <laughs> stay stay with was, us here. It was don't early content. I'll good, just say that. It was early point. content, all right? <laughs> but here's the thing. We've gotten, we have gotten some hate on that video and some commentary that we both hated the car and blah, blah. That was yeah. one of the pieces that that taught us, just a side note here, one of the pieces that taught us we needed to put in ratings because Uh people hear critiques with more power than they hear positives. And both people are like, well, these guys hated the Mazda Speed uh, NB. They don't know anything about sports cars. We didn't hate that car. There were just problems with it that we didn't like. I remember the two that I didn't like. It has a a very small part of the power band that has it's actually on turbo. It's like 1,500 RPMs where it's actually on turbo. That obviously can be changed with tuning, blah, blah, but that was the stock version we drove. And the biggest thing, I think, for you and I is the NB is just too small for us. I fell the same way. I f- that was my biggest you know, sort of critique, and we like small cars. We love fun, lightweight, small yeah. cars, and certainly that NB generation fulfills that in spades. It's, you no know, question. that no is question. the recipe, but I just remember getting into the NC generation and going, ah, th- now this is really, you know, my, mm-hmm. my mindset changed because when I was going into driving the third generation car, I had the second generation in the back of my mind going, I yeah. don't really want to drive this car. I'm not sure I'm going to be really liking it. And we drove that hardtop version and I thought, all right, mm-hmm. this is kind mm-hmm. of Mazda does the S2000. I really ended up liking it. Yes, it's, you know, certainly lower on power, but that's also the debate. It brings that debate back up, as you were talking about with the turbo version. Nice to have Mm -hmm. that turbo, but we still enjoyed it, you know, just as we enjoyed the FRS and the BRZ, the twins, with the power that they have. Would more be better? Ultimately, yes, it would. 
but I do remember coming away driving that car. That's been, gosh, 2010 now since we've driven that yeah, NC. We drove the NC a while ago. We were both big fans of that car. And, yeah. and the big thing, stepping back to the NB just very briefly, the big thing about the shift over is, look, obviously we try to be as unbiased as possible. We're going to tell you the things that we already come in with. We're going to tell you any baggage we bring in. But there's one thing we cannot get around uh, as from a bias, if you want to call it that perspective, and that is if we don't fit in the car it's hard for us to like it. It's hard and in to the case really like of the it. NB, yeah. our, both our heads were touching the ceiling with the seat adjusted as well as we could. Now, I know you can do the seat adjustments, take out foam. I know that. But I'm just saying, in the base, when we were, we were too cramped. And it yeah. makes it hard to enjoy a car. So if, obviously, we're 6'3". If you're not that tall, that takes that out of the equation. You can't go wrong with a Miata as an enthusiast car. If you have some sort of Miata bias as... Oh, these are hairdressers' cars. They're terrible cars. <laughs> no, they're not. They're drivers' cars. They really are. They're just not the fastest thing on the planet. So moving to uh, fast turbos, Yeah. Mazda Speed 3. Yeah, I if was going like to say, that uh, car, what other hot rods does Mazda make here? And that's the, the Mazda mm-hmm. Speed 3. That is, you know, Mazda does the Japanese tuning thing to their own product. And yeah. as... You know, I ended up liking the Ford Focus better, just by a tiny margin, but the Mazda Speed 3 is just a hoon mobile. It's a hoot. It's a lot of fun. It's an incredible laugh. It makes you giggle. It's just so much fun. We've we've enjoyed both the generations of that car. We're actually big fans of both generations. You have to go in. It is a lesson in torque steer. You have to go in knowing (laughs) this car has torque steer. I mean, this is this. You probably heard it before. We're talking about about 260 horsepower, roughly the same amount of torque. It will try to rip the steering wheel out of your hands if you're not paying attention. Yep. You have to pay attention. Yep. And Mazda's even reduced the torque in the first two gears to offset it. I mean, this is a known oh, problem. Oh, that's right. Having said I that, forgot about that. Having said that, they're just they're a riot. They're just fun. So if you're looking for that genuine hot hatch, that Mazda Speed 3 is absolutely a consideration in the hot hatch category. Yeah. You cannot go wrong there. And the last one that we'll cover is the RX-8. As I mentioned, uh, that comparison that we did... It's got that rotary, that triangle, you know, shape, that logo kind of mm-hmm. everywhere, all over the car. Yeah. It's very oh, yeah. hard to miss. I, you know, I, I know that Mazda's been really known for the rotary engine, but I, to mm-hmm. your point, I really feel like they're known now more for being enthusiast cars. Whether they have the rotary in their lineup or not, whether it comes back yeah. or not, yeah. I'm okay with that. I love the RX-8. Mm-hmm. I love it for what it can do. You know, we've got some folks on the forums, you know... RX-8 will never die, and and as it shouldn't. It's a great car. It really is a lot of fun. It's fun to rev, that's for sure. I oh, yeah. I really yeah, enjoy yeah. that. But, yeah, that's sort of the other hot rod that uh, is certainly within the category of the um, the price range. Certainly easy to get one. Uh, the one oh, you and I drove was brand cheap. new. Uh, Twenty. What was that, 2011? Or was that a 12? Yeah, we had one of the last ones. We had one of the last 2011s, and it was even the R3. It was the extra button-down enthusiast version. Right. That was a great car. You cannot argue the packaging is impressive on the RX-8. It really is shocking how much room you have in those back seats. The engine is such a smooth power plant. It, It makes you feel like every other engine you've driven is going to shake itself to pieces because comparatively yeah. it, it is going to shake itself to pieces by comparison. That's a great thing about those rotaries. But if you go looking for an RX-8, you can buy one for the change in your couch. And the reason is because <laughs> of that Funny. rotary. The thing is, the thing is, <laughs> in the roughly 200 miles we drove that car, we used like a half a quart of oil. I was going to say. They burn oil. They are, you have to known for it. They are burn oil. You have to carry oil with you. 
it will burn oil, no question. And if you don't treat that engine right, which means you got to do a lot of revs, you got to keep the oil uh, oil uh, problem solved, you can easily destroy that engine. You have oh, to yeah, be on yeah. top of it. There are guys with those cars that have run them forever. They have no problem. They will go on and on about how they're great cars. Next to the guy that is talking about, all I do is destroy this engine. I put two engines in it. So <laughs> this is this is the reason. It's the reason that car is so cheap is because it's not just buy it and forget it. It's buy it and really take care of it. But it is fun to drive, no question. And the rest of the ownership cost is going to be made up in oil and the fuel you throw at that engine because it isn't fuel efficient. It just isn't. And the way you're going to want to drive it, it just guaranteed you won't be. So, yeah. Yeah, it won't be. All right, jamming to Mercedes. we got to keep going here. No, no, no. Hang on. I want to do one little left field guy that does barely fit in Mazda. We talked about the Mazda Uh Speed 3. I want to at least mention the Mazda Speed 6. That was a two-year adventure for Mazda. It was their hmm. sixth sedan. What year was that? Turned all-wheel drive. It was turned all... It was 06, 07. It was their, their six-series oh, okay. sedan of, right. that, of that era. Turned into an all-wheel drive. Now, it was a front-bias all-wheel drive, but it was all-wheel drive in six-speed, improved handling, improved suspension. It has the engine out of the Mazda Speed 3 of that era, so it's like a 260-horsepower in that car. That was that a little a experiment genuine, for them, wasn't it? That was just kind yeah, of a Yeah, it's like a genuine thing. unicorn hot rod. It's like, a, yeah. it's like a unicorn hot rod in Mazda's lineup. If you find one of those and it's, it's actually in good shape and it's being taken care of well, that is a, a genuine find. One of the problems that car had was a, uh, a heating and cooling problem, just that engine in that chassis. There were a lot of overheating issues. There are ways to look or to get mm. around it. So mm. it has some problems because it's kind of a science experiment, but you know, it is in many ways great for the same reasons. So I would look into the Mazda Speed 6 if you want that more sedan shape, and you can find a good one. I mean, here's, here in Utah, I actually see quite a few. It starts snowing, and I just see them. They're, they're out. People have got them, and they're running and gunning. They're, they're cool cars. There's no question. All right. That's a good addition. All right. So are we clear? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. That Sorry. does cover you your can, point, I, I'm though. I'm allowing you to leave Mazda. Go for it. No, that's that's good, because how many cars does Mazda make that are enthusiast cars? That just proves yeah. the point. I love that. Yeah. All right. So now we can move to Mercedes. And, of course, what instantly pops to mind are all the AMG cars. And this mm-hmm. decade covers the kind of the decade. Like I said, I am back on board with Mercedes. I really am in the last one to two years. It hasn't been very long. Yeah. But this yeah. covers the decade of cars that were just more engine than anything else. They're just mm-hmm. the AMG mm-hmm. engine, and you bolt it to another model, and, yay, you've got another AMG mm-hmm. model that doesn't really handle all that great, and it's expensive, and... Okay. However, what does pop to mind is the SLK 55. And I went hunting hmm. because it's a hmm. V8 in that puppy. And yeah. I was impressed okay. with that car. The the latest generation, I think they might have changed it around probably for 2014, 2015. But uh, that latest generation with a V8, I remember mm-hmm. you and I were at Motorpress Guild track day and I jumped in a white SLK 55. I yeah. love the engine yeah. note. I mean, it's it's... How can you not? AMG does it right. Sure, absolutely. And just beat that thing around the track and came back thinking, huh, yeah, Mercedes, I could mm-hmm. I could see that. And it did handle well. It was pretty good because it's, of yeah. course, a smaller chassis and short wheelbase. So it's Mercedes tries to do the S2000 Miata recipe. Of course, it's yeah, Mercedes, some, some so ways, it's yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. really way too heavy and that kind of thing. But uh, Wildly that, expensive. Yeah, the SLK 32 and the the 55 right in there, you can get those mm-hmm. pretty low price. I found a 2012, I think for right at 50 grand, an SLK wow. 55 okay. for okay. 50 grand. Now, you know, you're buying a 
four-year-old car for 50 grand that, you know, 50 grand will yeah, go a long way yeah, for a new car. So mm-hmm. that's up to you. But um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, I thought about that car. I hear you. The, the AMG thing is the interesting uh, counterpoint on all the Mercedes lineup of that era. I mean, honestly, the AMG engines through that through this last decade, it's been it's been German traditional muscle cars, like American muscle cars, the traditional style of huge engine and not and everything else isn't quite as good. Right. Done right. by the Germans. It's crazy. But there are some interesting standouts, I feel like, in this world. Two I want to mention, if you want to go nuts, these these things have fallen off a cliff in price. There is the CL sixty five, which is the big coupe. You're talking about That's the little the coupe. Big I'm talking daddy, about the big coupe. This is the big, two, uh, you know, two plus two. This is your BMW six series competitor coupe. Okay, those have fallen off a cliff. You want to have fifty grand? You can buy one of those. Which is hmm. shocking to me that that's possible. Hmm. Also, should mention the original CLS, which was a good looking sedan. Hmm. You can get an AMG version of that with this kind of money. Now, again, that's going to be like a M5 competitor. It's M5 size. It's not as good for M5 handling. Sure. But the CLS AMG, that has got grunt. It's got good looks. That is an interesting car. But the one I cannot miss would be the C63 AMG. Okay. That's that's a... That's a lot of car. Oh, it's brutal. Are you founding those cars? Are you searching for 50 grand? Really? Can yeah, you? yeah, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The C63 AMG, that is the E92, uh, the E90 series uh, M3 competitor right, from right. Mercedes. Got that big uh, 6.2 liter, but labeled as a 6.3 liter AMG engine. It's all weird German. Who yeah, knows? I don't but, understand it at But all. here's the thing. We were never very big fans of the last generation CC class. We just we just weren't big fans of it. it no. Was, you know, for what it for what it claimed to be, we didn't feel like it achieved it. But then you throw this monster engine in it and improved seats. Now that doesn't help the interior and some of the other problems we had. But I remember tracking that car. Hmm. If you want a loud car that is a drift monster, you pretty much <laughs> stop after C sixty three AMG. Yeah. Because that's true. I remember doing that was my Motor Press Guild Mercedes kind of revelation because I remember, I remember being on the track in that car, trying to specifically drive clean laps and still getting the tail out. Really? Yeah. It's just, oh, it was just, it was insane. Of torque out of the corners. And, and it, and it, it wants, it wants to, to wag the tail. It just wants to. Well, and, you know, <laughs> just vaporize the tires, great seats, great engine note. I mean, really sounds wonderful. That is a, that is a riot of a car. It is not the dynamics of the M3, but it is such no, a riot. That's funny. I mean, the reason to buy one of these cars used now is cheap gas. I mean, we don't know how long it's going to last, but <laughs> I paid a buck eighty-three for premium today. I cannot wow. believe that. I am floored, especially coming from California, where everything's more expensive. But sure. I, I cannot believe that. So, yeah, you know, all those V8 engines. Here we go. The CLK fifty-five. Same engine. The C55, uh-huh. the SL55 AMG. I feel like there's more SL55s sure. driving around to LA, like Hollywood producer people. And the, another one drives <laughs> by, and I'm going, was I sick the day they handed it out? Did I miss the sign-up Seriously. sheet? Like, where was I Seriously. the day they handed mm-hmm. out SL55s? They are, I mean, you can't swing a dead cat in LA without hitting one. Really. Um, <laughs> you swing a lot of dead cat? Anyway, sorry, Monty Python. Moving on. <laughs> um, and then I thought of the most recent 55 that we drove and that was the cla i wish it's brand new and it's not oh. 50 grand it's far more expensive but that cla the red one that you and i, I drove the cla 250 yeah. 
for what mm-hmm. it is being sort of the entry level Mercedes now. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not an AMG car, but True. pretty impressive. And I came away going that that's kind of the car that has gotten me back on board with Mercedes, really. Just in well, terms of you drove you want a sedan. Yeah. I think the GLA has to be thrown in there, too, because they sure. took this, a lot of the CLA stuff and they put the GLA, they kind of made the GLA similar. And then, of course, the AMG versions of both those cars, if you're careful, you might be able to get one for under 50. You yeah, might. Yeah, you it's might. It's going to be like 48, 49, 50. It's going to be one of those things. It's going to be really, really close. And we've driven the AMG. We drove the AMG version uh, at that uh, Rocky Mountain Track Day last year. You, mm-hmm. I remember you loved it, and I thought it was quite a riot. I mean, that CLA, I certainly with the AMG treatment, you can't deny that's a fun car. It's an expensive car for what you're getting, but it is a fun car. You're right. That CLA, GLA, the new ones should be in there. You're absolutely right. Man, I yeah, I'm just I'm kind of back on board. And then, of course, this is the brand, brand new C-Class. We just had a brief taste at the most recent mm-hmm. track day, just that street drive. But the interior materi- materials... Everything feels like wow, Mercedes does Audi interiors now. That's fantastic. I, I mean, yeah, with their but in their own, own way. I mean, with their own twist. Yeah, that just, was obviously the the base. You know, engine wise, it was the yeah, base. Yeah, right. I'll be curious to see when the AMG that guy. Of course, that'll probably be a sixty plus thousand dollar car. But you know, sigh. Anyway, yeah. All right. Um, what else from Mercedes? Are we done? I'm trying to think of what uh, else. I'm, I'm sure somebody else will resurrect one that we've forgotten that probably falls back into this AMG category. I feel like that's the key anything thing with a V8 from Mercedes. I mean, they don't handle that great. They're good. They're good, but you know, anything with that yeah. lovely V8, it's nearly bulletproof. And hey, buy a used one and save money, and you've got yourselves a V8 Mercedes done. Yeah, get the grumble out of it. Yeah, I totally get that. We should move on to Mini. Uh, mm. Mini, who is figuring out, Mini is doing, me and they're owned by BMW, they're doing the BMW thing. How many ways can we slice this same idea for the three people in the nation that want to buy that variation? <laughs> We've driven, I, what is it, the, it's what shocking. is it, the countryman or, uh, the, the, the paceman? The paceman that we drive by and go, you're the demographic they targeted? Wow, I'd like to Seriously. meet you, sir. <laughs> That's Every time I see hilarious. a pacement, I swear to you, I see more Pontiac Aztecs than I see <laughs> mini pacements. Let's let's make let's make a mini. Then let's make a mini that's kind of the large mini. That's the SUV mini. Then let's take the large SUV mini and make it two doors. What are they smoking? What is going on? That's there? the one that ma- that looks like it's wearing the backwards baseball cap, isn't it? The paceman. No, that's the coupe. No, that's the coupe. The coupe coupe has the backwards baseball cap, which is another one where it's like, if you're going to make a coupe, make it look like a coupe. Exactly. Just put a baseball cap on it and call it a day. But anyway, so so the pacement I don't get, but I obviously we have to mention it. The standard Cooper S. Yep. And the John Cooper Works versions go back all the way to 05. Go back as far as you want. Get the six speed. These cars are fun. Now you're sitting very low. Some people have got uh, problems with the suspension. You know, I've heard issues off and on on these cars. Of course, they're small German engineers' cars. They're not, you know, every now and then they're going to cost money to get into them. But sure, you can find sure. deals on them. I have heard problems about the CVT transmission. Now, we originally drove that version in one of our reviews, which actually was still running really well. But, um, you know, the uh, you get into the S's, you get into the John Cooper Works versions as much as you can get. Those are they, you can't deny they're fun cars. I want to drive the new one. I haven't driven the new one. Yeah, but this uh, you have to think about the minis. 
Yeah, this decade covers primarily the second generation, and now the newly released third generation, which has grown in size, thereby leaving a tiny gap in which to slot yet another <laughs> mini model of some sort. You know, I'm waiting will. for that to the, drop. The, the micro mini, I don't know what they're <laughs> yeah. going to call it, but it'll be something yeah. else. Yeah. I want to drive it. Apparently they've made quite a few changes, and I do like them. I'm starting to see them around. People are getting into them, and I am really mm-hmm. liking how they're looking, and I think they're going to be great cars. I, I think they've improved... You know, we've had some cars with, you know, a couple hundred thousand miles on them. Others I've heard that just haven't been too reliable. Hoping they mm-hmm. fix that kind of thing because, uh, yeah, they are essentially a German car. But um, we've driven them really hard like on the them. track. I mean, for mm-hmm. for a, this yeah. is a, a good handling front wheel drive car. And unlike a lot of front wheel drives, the seating position is very sports car. You're very low with your feet out way in front of you, and, and you feel kind of low and connected to the car in a way that actually that helps with all. You've heard the whole it does, minis yeah. and their go kart feel. It's that seating position that helps so much besides everything else. I mean, there are cars that handle every bit as good, but you're sitting higher, and that makes you feel a little bit more like you're you're getting thrown around. It's a so very different feel than that Fiat yeah. 500. And, very and, different. Oh my gosh, it, it's the exact opposite design yeah. brief. I mean, yeah. it is the other end of the spectrum. Because you think so, that Fiat yeah, 500 was those. sort of you know they tried to do the Mini Cooper when that first came out. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a cheap Cooper, and it's an entirely different car. It really is. It feels yeah. low and wide yeah. in comparison, which is strange for a Mini to feel that way. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They really are low and and fun to drive. That's. I mean, for a front-wheel drive car, that w- that's probably tops of my list, honestly. It's it's pretty mm. up there. The um, Fiesta ST, it just had to throw that in there. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, it's up there for a front-wheel drive car, so... Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Let's Anything else from to, Mini? <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, we could we could micromanage their lineup, but they're already doing that. So let's move so. on to uh, to Mitsubishi. Uh, here's an enthusiast, uh, former enthusiast brand again. I feel like that now is not really making much. Hey, let's go and down to go the Mitsubishi to... dealership. Hey, kids, we're going down to the Mitsubishi <laughs> dealership to go shopping. Hey, kids, not. I mean, you you could. You know, earlier on, <laughs> the Eclipse was a was an interesting uh, enthusiast mm-hmm. car. You have the all-wheel drive versions of those. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I just now thought of that uh, from a, a lineup standpoint. I don't know when they stopped making the decent Eclipses, so pardon me I think for getting that wrong right now. 90s, but, early 2000s, somewhere in there? Yeah, but then, of course, the, the, the version that they just killed was not a very good car. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the other two, which both of which are based on the Lancer uh, Evolution idea. You've got the Lancer Rally Art, which is your WRX competitor. It's the slightly less hair on fire, 200 and roughly 50 horsepower turbo. And then the cranked up to 11 version, which is the Lancer Evo. Now, in this version, 05 and up, you can go back to a Lancer Evolution 9. Of course, you know, yeah. if you've watched the show that we like the 10, you could go back to the 9 here, which is a little more stripped out. It rotates a little bit differently. Some people would say a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it's also yeah. a even more raw car. The, the 10, the X, becomes, even though it's still not great, becomes a little bit nicer car and also gains the uh, dual clutch transmission, which was never uh, possible prior. Uh, can't go wrong with an evolution if you can find one in good shape that has not been tuned into oblivion. Yeah, we've talked about this problem before, and that is just the the um, you know cars that you can actually afford now and get into the Evos that mm-hmm. you want. They have yeah. been either modded or tuned or driven and beat into the ground, and it's hard to honestly find one that's just been really well maintained. And something else that I had thought of, I read an article a while back that. Um, you know, people were bringing in warranty issues. Their car had, you know, something mm-hmm. had gone. The turbo blew or the all-wheel drive system, something like that. In the MRs, the clutch went. And they were bringing the dealerships and saying, you know, hey, I you know, need 
repairs under warranty, and Mitsubishi would go through the SCCA and NASA records of local racetracks to find oh, really? out if those cars had been entered. And if they found them on the list, hmm. obviously, instant, you know, void your warranty, that kind of thing. Because that's what uh. people do with them. It's, I mean, yeah. yes, those are inexpensive now. That Evo has that Evo Ten has been around. Put another way, since since oh oh seven actually is when okay. they started. Yeah, I guess that it was 10. an 08 model. You're right. It was an 08 as, model. As an 08 right, model, absolutely. starting in 07, and it just seems strange that car's been around this long. Mm-hmm. So now the ones that you can actually get into for a decent price, if you can find one, buy it. Because every time Todd and I have compared that car, I keep joking yeah. with Todd. We need to just feature in all all the Evos we've ever driven the show. I think it's up to like five now. Cut. We cut compared. all of them together cut in one big together. super cut. There just, you go. Just all the Evos, just beauty shots of every Evo we've driven because every time, <laughs> the most recent being this GTR shoot that we had, yeah, we came yeah. away giggling and just marveling at this car. Well, it, How can it yeah. be so much fun? How did they do it? It just... It actually worked out to be two shoots back to back last year. It was the yeah. GTR shoot, and then followed that with the the new STI shoot. We had a different in different states. They were both Evos, and it's it's an incredibly fun car. You have to consider it, but you do have to know if you're buying a used one, these are cars people only buy to beat on. Yeah, so they just, just are. know that going in. And but it is a it's a superb car. There's no question. It's a great enthusiast yeah. car. And I think with Mitsubishi, we're kind of done. <laughs> Nissan, on to Nissan. <laughs> Nissan's got some fun stuff. And yeah, I looked, sadly, there are no GTRs available for 50K. Sadly. Just uh, not. I found some other, uh, yeah. I was looking up one, and, and uh, an R34 popped up as a new one. I thought, that's not oh. a new GTR. It wasn't like an 89 R34, oh, wow. but, you know, for right about 50 grand. But who sure, knows? Sure. Um, so, yeah, no GTRs. But they do make some fun stuff, notably the 350 and the 370Z. Those are fun cars. Yeah. And you and I just mm-hmm. drove that Nismo 370Z on track just recently in... Um, yeah, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Just a few months ago and came away wowed again. It had, it's, mm-hmm. it's got um, manual transmission. I, I forget what the Nissan nomenclature is for their, um, their yeah, downshift their six feature. Speed, uh, six you know, speed with the rev match thing. Rev match, yeah, yeah exactly. just coming into the corner. And we mm-hmm. both drove it at the end of the day and coming away going... Yeah, the 370's got it. It really does. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I mean, here's... There's other cars I'd own before that car, yeah. but man, is it impressive. It just... It reminded me why that car is still a benchmark. It really is. Yeah, agreed. I mean, here, here's the thing. You, you may have seen it already. We we did... It was one of our first really big generational comparisons. It may have been our very first, actually, now that I think about it. We did a Z car comparison. 300 versus 350 versus 370. At that point, the yeah. 370 had been out like a year and that was really enlightening. And I want to speak on the 350 really quickly because the 350 lost that Comparo for various reasons. And the 350 owners, if you just, just peruse the comments for fun, if you have extra free time, they don't like as much. <laughs> and it's understandable. But yeah. here's the thing about the 350. If you get the late model years, the 07, 08, they've made a lot of improvements, as, as most happens to most cars. If you're going to get a 350, you can get them pretty cheap. And those late model years are pretty good. The engine cannot be argued with. The transmission is good. It's just not quite what it could be. It feels like it's a 90% car. The 370 feels like a great refinement of everything that worked in the 350 just made better. So if you can can stretch for the 370, go for the 370. I agree. That 350, I I remember driving it. I came away feeling like all the effort was much like the FRS. Everything was put into the drivetrain, 
the dynamics of the car, the chassis, the engine, those kinds of things, everything else was definitely an afterthought in that car. And mm. I know there's going to be people who argue with me about that, but I just felt the interior quality just, you know, you shut the door. I'm a big door closing kind of a guy. You are, you are a door snob. There's no I question. really am. And that just, that kind of says it all to me. And I just came away thinking it's, it feels like a cheap fun to drive car, just a, you know, mm -hmm. just dynamically good, but it, yeah. it didn't have the, the quality feel that that 370 did. And then the 370 actually ramped up their dynamics even better, yeah. you know, added power. And the problem was that 350 position. new, that 350 new was, was too expensive new to have the interior that it did. I mean, we argue about right. it on the FRS BRZ, is that not being good enough? That 350 was significantly more expensive. And that's actually the it's problem true. with the 370 new as well, is I think the 370, it's been around a while now, the 370 has vast improvements in every area, in the dynamics, in yeah. In, yeah. in power, in transmission. It's got the rev match. It's got a much better interior, all those things. But it's pretty easy to load up a 370 and break 40 grand. Sure. And it's hard to argue at 40 grand. And, and the convertibles can break 50. No, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, no. No, I'm just, it's just no. It, it and, just isn't. And, but here's the thing about the 370 is... It has a lot of the the typical enthusiast car sacrifices. It's genuinely loud inside. Mm -hmm. And also, in, it's in that kind of, not as bad, but it's in that kind of Camaro category of not great visibility. I mean, out the front it's fine, but you start looking at, at your blind spots and out the back, and the visibility's not great. So you've got a loud car with kind of cave-like visibility. The dynamics are great, but you're starting to make those kind of ex supreme sports car sacrifices which might take you away from a 370, even though dynamically excellent. And I think that's the reason we both responded to it on the track recently. Yeah. Because on the track, sure. those things don't matter. You know, it's just, does this drive well when you drive it hard? And the answer is, well, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just a quick note about the styling. I feel like the 350 has dated itself more quickly than the 300. Even mm. the 300 that you had, I still feel like I that agree. turns my head. And the 370 is just, it's a better evolution I just, I think the 350 just looks dated now. It just, mm -hmm. there's yeah. some styling cues on the door handle, just, you know, just a few things that it's a little too sharp here and there. And I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm coming away thinking, Interesting. you know, to your point, if you can stretch and make it into a 370, we love that car for so many more reasons. I also noticed on this list here, you've got a Sentra on here. Did you drive that SER? You know what? I, I can't. I can't recollect having much to do with the center, but it's it's. I have to mention it because here's the thing: there's the S E R Spec V, which is the we took a center and threw everything we could at it. And, right. and here's the thing: I I have to acknowledge it because this is Nissan's uh, Honda uh, Civic S I competitor. So we've got to at least mention it. I don't know that I would go to Nissan for that market segment. Yes, no. if you're a Nissan fan, if you're a Sentra fan, yes, this is their car in that world. I would just say go somewhere else. It doesn't mean that car is not worthwhile. I just don't think it's the it's. I don't even think it's in the top two or three of the hey buy a fast front wheel drive cars. Right. So just, it's kind of an also ran in that era, and that's the reason that I got to mention it because it exists. But I I can't tell you to gravitate toward it because it's that same kind of roughly two hundred horsepower handles okay has a six speed kind of world, but. You've also got the SI in that world. You've got the mm -hmm. Minis in that world. You've exactly. got the Fiesta ST in that world. So are you going to buy a Sentra? I, that, that's my debate there. I think you have to be a Nissan fan. I think you do, too. I, it doesn't pop to mind. It doesn't top any of my lists in terms of, you know, 
gravitating towards a car that is an enthusiast to drive, you know, enthusiast driving mm-hmm. car, that just doesn't come up on my list. I mean, yeah, to yeah. your point, maybe it maybe it's pretty good. I also see that you've got the Juke on here, and I have to protest. I've driven a Juke, <laughs> and I am unimpressed. I well, Unless it's that GTR shoehorned under the Juke. That's all over, yeah, you know, Juke Autoblog whatever, and yeah. wherever. Which you're not going to find. You're not Which gonna you're find. not going to find. Here's That's like five hundred grand. Add a couple of zeros. Here, here's the thing about the Juke. <laughs> I'm only not impressed. It. I'm protesting. I know. I've, I'm only. That's fine. I'm only mentioning the Juke for two reasons. You can get that with a manual transmission, and as we all know, manual transmission makes everything feel more involving. I don't know if you like the frog better. styling. Say again? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you're going to like the frog styling. I still think that styling is very bizarre, but it is eye-catching. I'll give it that. If that's a car that interests you, if that's the market segment you're looking in, the the quasi-SUV thing, at least the Juke comes with a a decent, a worthwhile manual transmission. And then, of course, they have the Nismo version, which is let's try to make this sporty, which isn't really going to work. I mean, underpowered Fiats in Brazil have a manual transmission, too. Does that make them an enthusiast car? No. Well, but see, but we drove the... Okay, but I got to argue there, though, because we drove the base Fiat 500 and didn't find anything enthusiast about it. I've driven the turbo juke... Uh, with the manual transmission, it's not a whole over, overly powerful car, but I would take it over the 500. I would. So eh. I don't know that it's an enthusiast car, but there is yeah, some fun just... to be had there. So where's the line of enthusiast? I, I don't know there. Every juke I see, I want to take a Sharpie and connect the tops of the U to make joke. I just am not impressed. I see the Nismo version, <laughs> and I go, ooh, you paid more for a lame car. You Sorry. paid more for a car you shouldn't have. I, I get that. <laughs> Why I, I can't did argue Nissan do that? I I'm That's not fair. impressed. That's fair. I all right. Because you put Nismo on it and it makes it better, Paul. It makes it super fast and quick and awesome. It, it does. Anyway. They took more money out of your wallet and you think yeah, you've got did. a cool fast car. Anyway, only so, on uh, the three seventy is it cool. Really. We will move we will move on to a mark that we will be able to talk about for the See, next hour and we now won't. we're talking. Now Porsche. we're talking. Here we go. I'm kinda missing my Cayman. You know that? I kind of. I know you are, but you're. But like who are you color. kidding? You you sold your Cayman. You you had your your O seven Cayman S. You sold yeah. it. You will buy another fun car. I know you. It was just time to try a different experience. So we've said it before. We're saying it again. If you if you like the Cayman, if you've ever thought about a Cayman, buy a Cayman. Buy Even in base Cayman. form, it's they're just... fun. You should get the Cayman S if you can. Uh, yeah. You can also get the base Cayman with the, uh, I think it's the Sport Package. I may get that wrong. But the Sport Package gets you with a six-speed and, and actually makes it a little bit better. It's called the Sport Chrono but Package. There don't you go. Don't you backstroke through the pool of Porsche like I do? I mean, come on. No, I, I, I don't. But I know you're going to cover that if need be. So, yeah, <laughs> the, get the one with the stopwatch on the on the dash. Yay. <laughs> yeah, the stopwatch. Um, they bolted to the dash. So you exactly. Can, <laughs> pay extra for stopwatch. Moving on. Why aren't, why aren't both but, hands on the steering wheel when you're going around the track? No. Um. <laughs> but you've got you've got Cayman S, and yes, you have to consider the Boxster here. Oh, Boxster yeah. in base form, Boxster in S form. Once you get to that 05, and right right what we're talking about, 05 and up, that model shift, the Boxster becomes a genuinely fun car. You can get them for far cheaper than you think. I'm telling you that right now. You look them up, you'll shock yourself what you can get a Boxster for. All these cars, cars, they definitely fall in the category of luxury German cars whose prices have fallen off a cliff. They really have. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, no question. this is the reason to get into them. So unlike other more expensive, you know, the high-end Mercedes models with every bell and whistle on it, Mm-hmm. Porsches, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm biased, but they're a different story because of what you're buying. The recipe that you're getting, it is a driver's car. Just about everything yeah. in their lineup. I mean, the Cayenne drives better than many cars. 
And Absolutely, yeah. So, yes, the Cayman, the Boxster, we certainly have to cover the 997 generation of the 911. 911, absolutely. And no that question. went all no the way up to uh, 2015, did it not? Through 2014? No, uh, no, 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 no. That, that was a, that was 05 to 2012. 2012, to that's 2012, right. That's right. If I'm not um, mistaken. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, so you've, it, got to, you've got to talk 997, 911. If you can, whatever version of that car, I'm talking even the base one, whatever version of that car you can get into for under 50 grand yeah. will be an enjoyable car. That the base, base one is like right about, it's close to 400 horsepower, and it's still an incredible amount of fun. Of course, no, the, the base Porsche one is, uh, is 325. That The 997 S was 350, and then okay. for the new model, they bumped it up to 400. I you're right. You're right. That, yeah. I sh- I, why? Just, why would I, I know, argue with I know these Porsche things. guy? Of course you do. Yeah. But here's the thing. Even that base 911, that base 997 Carrera, is still a really great car. But watch our our uh, nine, 50 years of 911 film. We yeah. were genuinely surprised by it. However, I do have to side note here. Talking about this generation of Cayman and Boxster and 911, there are people out there that are freaking out right now. Why haven't we talked about the IMS problem? Why haven't we discussed it? Well, we will. And. Uh, as a matter of fact, the person that bought my Cayman asked me the very same thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody that called me, sure. I put it uh, up for sale, and everybody that called me asked about this because they jump on the Internet and start to read information, and you're led to believe that this is a massive problem. Now, with some cars, most you're led to notably believe it's a guarantee. That's the key, that's it's the not key guaranteed. thing. You're led to believe if you buy this car with this engine, your engine will get destroyed. That's, that's the Internet story. Here's the big problem with the IMS bearing the IMS shaft, and that's the intermediate shaft that connects the power, the flywheel, to the transmission. Mm-hmm. They changed the engine design on the new cars, and the Boxster and Cayman engine from, oh, uh, I think, 08 or 09 onwards was changed mm-hmm. to eliminate 09, that yeah. problem. I had an 07, and I had three mechanics, one dealer and two independent mechanics, tell mm-hmm. me they have never encountered the problem, just drive my car, rev it to the moon, and go enjoy your car. They said, Paul, go drive your car. Just enjoy it. And the yeah, thing about yeah, that yeah. IMS, it's about oil getting to the engine. In race cars, they have dry sumps, so there's oil constantly all constantly over the engine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. on a track situation, track is very different and very hard on a car, and oil sloshes to one side of the engine or the other mm-hmm. and therefore mm-hmm. starves the engine for oil and that bearing. So unless you're tracking your car regularly, some people can... It, it's just kind of all over the map, and just normal driving for what those cars are designed for. Generally speaking, you're not going to have a problem. And I think well, I was and, told and they had one percent, and I thought that was low, and said, "No, that's high." But yeah, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, their their production volume isn't huge, so you know we've heard of various cases of these cars. You know, having that, there are fixes out there. The IMS yeah, bearing that's the fix. Big thing. It's a once yep. you are in there, if you're doing the clutch, you do this bearing thing. There's a lot of people who do it, and then they just go drive and enjoy their cars. And that's mm-hmm, what Porsches mm-hmm. are all about, honestly. I wouldn't yeah, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate to buy another one because of that issue. I, I yeah, really I, wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn anybody away from it because of that issue. It's not that kind of freak out, you know, oh, my God, the car's going to – no. Go buy it. Go buy it with your information in hand. Go buy it knowing this is an issue. Get it solved. Enjoy your car. Yeah. There's there's no reason to run away from these cars for that, for that in spite of what the Internet might uh, might tell you. But, of course, how, uh, the Internet. And I want to mention one other thing before we leave Porsche. I have to throw in here, we've talked about it before, the Panamera. Mm. Obviously, it's like not a small sports car. But if you are going to get a family car, if you are thinking about, hey, I need a family, fun, sporty car, 
you got to look at the Panamera. I Have mean, you found some of those for 50 grand? Like 2011, 2012s in there? Uh, under under 50, yes. If really? you have 50 okay. in your pocket, it's going to be it's it, it's going here's the thing. There's not many. Sure. The the, the real the real sweet spot there. to buy a used one of those is between 50 and 60 grand. That's, that's the sweet probably spot. Probably the V6, is it not? The all uh, it varies. Drive, you get V6? you can get you can get an early you can get an early V8. You can get an early V8 mm, for that. Okay. Sure, you can. All right. So, but that's the thing. With each marching year, they're going to get lower. And, and and like I say, if you have between fifty and sixty grand, you can get yourself a nice that's come off lease Panamera. If you have only fifty grand, you might find a few nationwide that are decent, but most are between fifty and sixty. So I'll acknowledge that's just above the, the range. But there's that random unicorn out there. Panamera yeah. is worth considering. That's a great car. We love that car. I like the looks better than Todd does, but that's uh, definitely yeah, a, a looks style not, thing. It's, it's not a car you get for its looks, but it's a car you get for every <laughs> other reason. Because it's a Porsche. We will take our money, you hey, will like it, and go drive and great. enjoy your car. <laughs> they're great four seat. I mean, that's one downside. It's a four seat, not a five seat car. Those rear yeah. seats are not a bench. It's two seats. But when I was at a, we were at a Panamera track day. We drove every variation. They were yep. all superb. Genuinely, they were all superb. I'm not just saying that. The craziest thing though was at one point near the end of the day, it was take a take a lap with a with a Porsche race driver, and all of the people in the car were over six feet tall. That means the two guys in the back seats were also over six feet tall, wearing helmets. We were wearing Everybody helmets was comfortable. too. That's right. Everybody was comfortable. So that's a car with genuine personal space. I mean, unlike something like a not that this is a consideration, but unlike something like an Aston Martin Rapide. Oh, which yeah. is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a joke in the back seats. The Panamera in the back seats is genuinely a nice place to be. I mean, be. the Rapide has style. I mean, admittedly, yeah. com- the Panamera is kind of the ugly duckling compared to the Rapide. But True. No question. It, I still do like it, and um, the subsequent generations are just going to get better and better. You just know they are. I'm, so. I'm glad we just dove into cars tonight because here we are already <laughs> running long, and we've just talked about brands. That's all we've done. There's been a lot of ground tonight. <laughs> 50 Years of the 911, that's on uh, Blu-ray on Amazon. And it's also if you want to hear us talk about Porsches even more, we can do that. Even You're more. right. That's funny. So that's all the 911s. And then our latest film that was released uh, just late last year, and that is Mid-Engine mm-hmm. the Mountain. We drove the Alpha 4C, the Porsche Cayman, the brand new 2014. Mm-hmm. It was in 2014, I think. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, also the Elise, your favorite in there. So we drove that. Yep. That is also available on Amazon, Blu-ray. Order that and uh, watch it on Vimeo On Demand. And you can download it uh, either uh, just the whole film or as a rental as well. Catch us on all and the usual uh, if stuff. If you've already media. watched it or if you're going to watch those films, please leave a review. Leave it on oh, Amazon yes. if you Agreed. watched it on Blu-ray. If you watched it on Vimeo, leave us a review there. We really appreciate it hearing and seeing your reviews and we like other people to get the chance to to get your thoughts on it we can say that you should watch it but of course we made it we want you to see it we know you'll enjoy it but if you guys will actually give your reviews please give it to those films also give it to this podcast because every time you guys do that it helps our ratings it helps people find us you would not believe the number of emails we got one today i think that was somebody else talking about hey just found your podcast based on the ratings we you know i'm really enjoying it so you guys rating helps the, the yeah. show grow so please oh, do that as well that reminds me ad blockers if you would please do us a favor turn oh, yeah. off your ad blockers that would be very helpful and that has to do mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. revenue for us and that just helps us make more videos find us on all Absolutely. the usual social media sites and if you're able Patreon. Check out patreon.com and become a patron of our work. Mm-hmm. You can fund us yep. per show. You can fund us just at any level. And uh, again, that goes straight back into editing and filming and shooting and just making more content. We've got a lot of fun stuff. Todd and I have been talking about this year's calendar and ramping up. It's with, nuts. It it's, is nuts. It's 
ramping up to become one of our biggest shoot years ever, and I'm just I think so blown think away so. at the list of cars that we want to drive that we're mm-hmm. getting set up for. So that's a lot of fun. So anyway, check that out and uh, help us if you can. Yep. Thank you guys for listening as always, and we're glad to have you with us. And we will of course be back next week.